Welcome back to We Gotta Talk About. This is Myalicious. And this is your girl KTZ. Thanks for tuning in with us this week. We are so excited for you to listen to this week's episode. This week, we gotta talk about sexuality. Ooh. On this week's episode, we are going to get into the history. So our culture's history behind the gender binary and how it has changed over time. So you're going to hear perspectives from a Black American and a Dominican and South Asian. Then we're going to get into the aesthetic and how certain things are acceptable for white people who are cis or who are cishet and how that's different for LGBTQ plus folks of color. And lastly, we're going to talk about our own personal experience with sexual identity and exploring the binary. So let's get into it. salute to one of our uh favorite podcasters anyway um hello how are you happy wednesday even though we know this isn't wednesday the day that you guys are gonna be listening to this but it's our wednesday what's up girl or this week either (laughs) (laughs) but how are you i'm good actually i'm already starting to get like the itch of like other people being in my house Ooh, Sorry girl. to my sister, who's going to listen to this later. Girl, yeah. <laughs> She's been here like three, four days maybe. But it's just like, I don't know. Ever since moving back home, like as an adult, I've been able to set like really good boundaries with my parents. And like, we all kind of have like our set routine and like the three of us kind of like hang out when we're free. Right. And like joke around. And like my room's the hangout spot because I redid it. So like now it's the cutest room in the house. So like everyone hangs out here. Um, and we were just like hanging out earlier and my sister's like in a meeting and she's like, you guys are so loud. But like, we're just so used to just being like that normally because no one else is here. And then I was trying to print something and like my brother-in-law was in the room with the printer and like he was in a meeting and then I felt bad, but I was like, but I really need to print this because I need to go ship it. So it's just already like ugh, too many cooks You're in the kitchen. Like- you're like your guest in my home and it's yeah literally but it's not like it's all of our home exactly but if you're just not used to it because they've been gone and now they're here you know it's because I was just gonna say the whole time I was like the cancer in her is just dying (laughs) like having to adjust to her family like uh, it's funny anyway how are you? And it's funny to you guys because Maya is super close to her sister and brother-in-law. So it's like, it's really not an issue. It's just funny that like, she's like, no, but like, it must be my flow a little bit, but it's whatever. Yeah, it, I'll get over I, it. No, I'm doing good. Um, I don't know. I feel like rejuvenized coming back from that trip this nice. weekend. And yeah, I did a huge Trader Joe haul with my man, been cooking at home for like the last yes. few days. It's just been feeling really good. Um, we like super cleaned the apartment this morning I did all of our laundry and I cooked locks on sourdough again for breakfast so you know you you know my sink is empty my dishes are clean so I'm doing good the Taurus in me is thriving like my home space is good I also found another Game of Thrones reaction (laughs) and it's these two country ass white women that are sisters and the channel is cis nerdly but one sister has already seen it and her other older sister has it. And so, you know, you got one summer child and one that's not. Anyway, it's great. I put that on before to just like zone out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was doing. But I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm excited. It's report day. Let's get into it. Yeah. All right. Sexuality. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, yeah. Did you do some research? Because I did. <laughs> I know you did. <clears throat> I know you did. So I figured which is kind of just like the way our show goes, essentially. Um, Maya is going to bring you all the facts and stats and research, and I'm going to bring you very much the uh, lifestyle livelihood aspect of it. So I'm going to kind of go for more of a um, pop culture, like literal, like what I've seen from my own peers at my own experience and like throw that in while mm-hmm. it is with the one-two punch of research. This is a good okay. one. So I was, I mean, I talk about this a lot with different people of how, like, the gender binary didn't exist before colonization. And (laughs) some people literally don't believe me. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of scholars who are not 
they don't have masters and PhDs and they aren't white. And so they're not like credible quote unquote sources. And so people don't know a lot of this information. So I'm going to talk about each different culture. So like in black American culture, if you've read Angela Davis's women race class, she talks about gender norms in the enslaved African community. And she talks about how when people were out working in the fields and picking cotton and taking care of kids and like doing all of this free labor, there was no gender roles. Like they didn't exist because like these people ended up like getting their humanity taken away from them. And so therefore they weren't considered as a part of this gender binary gender norms that Europeans had constructed. And so she talks a lot about how basically like in the house, there was no like the woman is cooking and cleaning and taking care of the kids and the husband is like fixing things or whatever like we have now. It was very much like we do the same work in the field. And so at home, we also like split the work. It wasn't based off of these gender roles. So she talks about a lot about that, like in the beginning of that book, which I always found very interesting. And so then I was doing research of my own. I've heard about these concepts from an Indian perspective. My dad talks a lot about like in Hinduism, in Hindu mythology, the gods and the goddesses or whatever, you know, they have both. But because they are these like spiritual entities, they come to earth as different avatars, which have different genders. And Mm -hmm. so for them, like for him, this concept of like, this gender binary and stuff is very like an earthly thing. He's like, I know because I know about how like our spirituality works that like, this is something that's been constructed by humans and isn't really real. Okay. So he always like taught me that when, when I was learning about like Hindu mythology, which is like one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I was reading about it and it says that in different cultures, a third or fourth gender may represent very different things. So to Native Hawaiians and Tahitians, um, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but I think it's pronounced mahu, is an intermediate state between man and woman or a person of intermediate gender. And then some traditional Diné Native Americans um, of Southwestern United States. So Diné is the Navajo people. They actually acknowledge a spectrum of four genders. So feminine woman, masculine woman, feminine man, and masculine man. And then in India, there is a third gender that has been used to describe these people called the hijras, which in the U.S. would kind of be equivalent to a trans man or woman. So there's like a lot of indigenous cultures where this is like a really big part of the culture that people are trying to push through today to make like formally legal because after colonization, like all of those things were abolished. And so it was funny because like my dad and my mom, I was just talking to them about us recording this episode and they were like, why were these practices like implemented? Like, why do we, what was the reason? What was the reason for having gender norms and for creating like this binary? Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's all about control. Like colonization was about controlling the people that were, you know, on the land to begin with. And then also controlling the people who like, they stole and brought to the land, right? And so it's a lot easier to control people if you can put them like in these different boxes. Mm-hmm. But what that also does is like completely erases people who are intersex. So like people like to claim that you are a specific gender based on biology. So like if you have certain genitals, that right. determines your gender. Mm-hmm. But then there's people who are born with both genitalia or like have a little bit of each So that actually like completely erases those people and we like pretend that they don't exist or we like make them choose. And in the Dominican Republic, a lot of it does have to do with like religion and language as well. Mm -hmm. So I think in English and specifically in the US, people are more accepting of like, if you challenge them on language or you give them new language, they'll be like, okay, maybe I'll try this out. And sometimes like people add things into the dictionary. So some things will change, but for Spanish the language is very binary. Like everything is male and female. Like you can't even say like objects without identifying them as a gender. And so it's kind of difficult to explain in like to people who speak Spanish because they're like, but this is how our language works. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to explain to them like, this is your colonized language. Like this is not your mother tongue. And so for them, the Western culture that I've seen is that based on religion and language, they're very like unaccepting 
of the fact that there are people that don't fit into like these gender norms and this binary. So what are your thoughts? And when did you like learn that there existed identities outside of the gender binary? Because I feel like that's a journey for everybody. Um, I can't pinpoint. I don't think exactly. I'm like, well, okay, let me try. Because as soon as <laughs> I said that, certain people started popping up in my head. And here's the thing, let me preface this. I'm sure I've said it, but for anyone who doesn't know, I grew up on a military base. So that alone can kind of give you an idea of the stigma and the culture that was kind of forced upon us. When you're in a military world, it's very male, female. That's very well known. And then to throw it on top of that, there was don't ask, don't tell. I mean, that was only repealed ever so recently. And even then, I think, I don't even know, did that get re- Stated, or were people trying no to get reinstated? I haven't done my research on Don't Ask Until recently. So, not only was it like very, you know, binary just in that world, it was also a don't ask, don't tell in the military, don't ask, don't tell at school, don't ask, don't mm-hmm. tell at home. Like, you just don't talk about it. But it was obvious that there were people who were gay, and it was obvious that they were masquerading as straight men or just like not even talking about sexuality. And, you know, depending on who you were, like to them, I'm sure you had different pieces of the puzzle but there were boys that I knew that I had met I think in like third or fourth grade that I probably knew like okay I think you like boys but for some reason we don't talk about it and no Mm -hmm. one's talking about it and you're also not dating any boys because I also don't know how many other boys are out here like this so yeah I'd probably say I started meeting people who I thought and I'm sure I only knew about it honestly because of pop culture tv or movies because it wasn't like a normal topic in my household. I mean, not that my parents were against gay people. It was just, it just wasn't a topic in our house. Like it was only the three of us. My parents aren't gay. To my knowledge, none of my family, like direct family members were gay. So like, I just don't think it was just ever a topic for me. And then being in sports, I'd say probably like middle school was when I started to notice like women being gay Hmm. who were either covering as being straight or again, just not talking about it. Or girls, like I had girlfriends who just had never dated. And I was like, I don't know why you haven't dated. It's because like, you're not trying, guys aren't trying, like what's up? And then, you know, we all get older and you're like, aha, you liked girls the whole time. And that just wasn't a thing for us in our environment to be Mm -hmm. outwardly. Like I honestly don't even know how many out people were at my high school. I really don't. And it might've been one or two people and it might've been because they were older than me. But like, for the most part, I think everyone who I knew that was gay didn't come out until they had graduated and like moved away from the area and like felt comfortable enough finally being like, all right, yeah, clearly whatever, or however they decided. So yeah, I was pretty young when I knew, but I also can't pinpoint, like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I was watching a movie and there was like, you know, a lesbian love scene. And then like, that's how I was like, and I'm like, that wasn't my experience. And I can't pinpoint like what it was, but I just knew people in my environment definitely weren't comfortable being themselves. Mm. And then, and, but in regard to gender though, excuse me, that actually took me a really long time to comprehend. And I don't even think that was until about like junior, senior year of high school and not even really fully understanding until college that people were identifying as genders that weren't just male, female. Because until the transgender topic became very pop culture and more normalized than it was for the last 20 years, it just wasn't a topic people talked Mm -hmm. about. Like clearly this was just some like, we're just going to sweep it under the rug and act like no one wants to talk about it kind of a thing. But there's like a whole community of people who were just struggling with this and like who identified as other things, you know, you know, you hear LGBT, like that was basically it when we were growing up. And like yeah, now all of the other it, things didn't even exist. They didn't exist. They weren't talked about no matter what people felt inside. It just didn't exist. And it wasn't talked about. It wasn't, you know, there was no term. There was no identifier, quote unquote, whatever term you want to use. But yeah, at that moment for me, different genders, different, I don't want to call them labels because I hate that word, but you know, just different identifiers. That really wasn't known to me until I would say college when I was starting to be like, okay, understanding like people like same sex people, definitely very young. What about you? Yeah, I think, I think like, I always knew that gay people existed. My mom Mm -hmm. actually has a friend who we know from the East coast, I'm pretty sure. And he was married for the longest time and had a kid and then came out and was like, I can't be married anymore because I'm gay. 
Yeah. And so I remember like growing up and her telling us about her friend and like we met him and we hung out with him and his son and it was right. never like a weird thing. Yeah. And because like my mom is so religious and like she kind of like raised us in a Christian environment. Mm-hmm. Like it was very much a thing of like gay people exist and like they deserve to exist, but also like we don't think that that's okay or right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that was like really confusing for me because I was like, how can you like have these ideas and think that everyone is deserving of like some salvation or like being saved or like having rights or all of this stuff. But then like the only exception is gay people. So I always just like was very confused by it because I was like, you're friends with people that are gay. We know people that are gay. There was a guy in our church who like me and my sister were really good friends with, and we always knew he was gay. Right. Um, and so I was just like, why is this like this? So that was definitely like the stigma in our house was like from my mom and from her religion. And I don't really remember my dad ever talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or even saying anything, like even if we would see people out or like would see a gay couple or like would see it on TV or anything, my, my dad doesn't comment on anything. Like it doesn't bother him. He's like, people are free to be whoever they want to be. See, and that's um, interesting you say that because my mom grew up in the church, like Baptist, like, you know, in the South. And my dad wasn't religious, but I would say, you know, he believes in God, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's why it never was a thing. Cause I always knew as a kid, I was like, I understand why the Bible applies to everyone, but homosexuals and adulterers and murderers. And yet divorce is like one of the most booming industries for law and right. murderers like can still get off and bail and all those, you know, all those things. So I knew that as a kid, mm-hmm. but the only conversation I can remember having my parents in regards to homosexuality in general was just prop eight when that came out and mm. me able to sit down with my dad, have a conversation with him because my dad was going to vote yes on prop eight, which was banning um, same sex marriage. At the okay. Time. And I believe that was maybe my junior year of high school, maybe my senior year of high school. I can't remember. And I remember just him uh, asking him, like, if two gay people are married, how does that directly affect your life? Like, Mm -hmm. is your money affected? No. Okay. You know, is our safety affected? No. Okay. So how does it directly affect you? Like, do you have to do anything that changes the dynamic of like what we've got here? So why should it matter? Like, if you're allowed to get married, why can't they? And also just, you know, like all the other things of adoption and all the things, how it can help and just in general for, you know, societal, economical growth, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that was it. Only conversation. Yeah. So that's interesting that you brought up like religion for your mom. Cause I'm, I, now I would love, I'm probably going to go back and ask my parents like, so is there a reason? Well, I mean, they're going to listen to this and it's going to start a conversation. I'm sure. Oh yeah, but I'm interested <laughs> now too because I really don't remember. Like I said, and then I was like, my mom loved Will and Grace though. That's what I need to bring up. My mom loves Will and Grace. She would always be like, Caitlin, watch this. This is so funny. She loved Jack. She loved Will. Yeah. But like my mom, and I think my mom was always like, a girl should always have a gay best friend. Like that's gonna be your honest go-to friend for like so many areas of your life. Like I think I kind of grew up. Oh, I'm tripping, Maya. And I did all-star cheerleading. Gay people everywhere. My coaches were gay. <laughs> like, gay men were there. So that's also probably why I'm like, I'm like why can't I pinpoint, like, this yeah. moment where I knew that? Because it was just yeah, a Yeah, because of- I think that for a lot of us, like, it is just a un- – I, I think it's just an unspoken thing. And I think especially amongst, like, people of color, it's, like, something that we all know exists and we all know, like, who's gay and who's not. But then, like, yeah. no one talks about it. That's so interesting. Yeah, I was just talking. I'm like brain fart. I was around gay <laughs> people like from middle school on. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, my my little sister was like, a, she still is a theater nerd. So like, we've always. Back. And then um, one of our best friends, who we, me and my older sister, grew up with from San Diego, is gay. And then also like one of our closest friends from the Bay Area, who like my sister went to school with, who's basically okay. our brother, and he also happens to be gay as well. Yeah. Um, but he did also tell me one time, he was like, I don't want to be like the gay best friend. Yeah, I just want to like be your, because I, I mean, I consider him like a brother. Yeah. And it just, he just happens to be gay. That's be it. Gay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. But when it comes to like the gender binary, I think I also had a similar experience of like, I never 
understood that you could identify as anything other than man or woman. Right. And even though like I knew people who were gay, like that was never a thing for our generation until like very recently. And I actually think it's like the newer generation, like Gen Z that has kind of started that. Cause I noticed that like I started really learning about it and noticing that kids were identifying differently with my sister's school Uh because she works at a performing arts school. They're in Oakland. Um, These kids are like fairly assertive, fairly progressive. Like they are a little like baby activists at this point. And I would like go and hang out with them. And she was like, yeah, you know, like this kid identifies as they, them. And this kid like identifies this way, etc." And I was like, interesting. So there are like other ways to identify and like changed my worldview a lot because mm-hmm. I was like, how much have I been missing by like only thinking that men and women existed? And then like trans, like I always only ever thought of things as like cis man, cis woman, trans man, trans woman. Right. And that's like not at all, all that exists. So yeah, it was very interesting, but I honestly recently just like started learning about genders outside of the binary. A lot of us have, I think. And now we're trying to embrace it and make it normalized and not stereotyped. And now I'm just glad. I'm like, I'm glad that it's like at the beginning of a lot of conversations now, or when people will meet you, they'll ask you how you identify. And I, I really like that that's like starting to become normalized because I think regardless of anything, you should always ask people that. Like some people may identify as like a race you didn't think of or an ethnicity you didn't think of or a gender you didn't think of. So yeah, I like that. I like that we've started doing that. Yeah. We got to get people who do identify as something that's not binary, more comfortable to just even allow that information to be readily available. Exactly. I know too, like for a lot of binary people, that's a huge adjustment for people. And I think it is going to take some time for society to kind of get behind the whole hey, it's okay to ask someone how they'd like to be addressed. You're not insinuating anything. It's not supposed yeah. to be offensive. But I also know that people who are probably going to use and abuse that and it's going to cause some problems. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how we as a society progress with that moving forward. And oh, yeah, me too. To like, you know, introduction and communication and just things like that. I, I know me and you were on Twitter and Instagram. So we see that some people have put their pronouns in their mm-hmm. bios. Um, and... I remember seeing someone ask like, well, what's the point of doing that if I am binary? You know, like, aren't I just kind of like, you know, putting she and her, but like. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of almost weird if you're cis because you don't ever think about your gender. And someone actually responded and was like, yeah, but it just shows that you're standing with us and just acknowledging that pronouns are even a thing. And like, I think that's a more powerful point. And I never thought about it like that Mm because I don't have that in any of my bios. And I was like, huh, I was like, that's a very interesting take. I'm glad I read that, you know, comment so I could get that perspective. But yeah. Yeah. yeah and I've also seen people who are cis, but who identify as like she, her, they, them. Mm-hmm. So there's like certain identifiers that they don't like, um, like being called like ladies, like, like, like when people are referring to them, like being called ladies or like, I know um, things like that. Fe- female is like a different like misogyny issue. So yeah, so I, I think that it's, I, I think that it's good for cis people to like show that they stand in solidarity with like people who identify outside the binary. And also I think it's important that if you're cis and you want to explore your pronouns or you want to explore your sexual mm-hmm. identity that you like put whatever you feel comfortable with at the time and then also like change it so mm-hmm. that people, so that it normalizes that your mind can change on how you wish to identify. Because right. I think your identify is like, your identity is ever changing, so I don't understand why your sexual identity can't also be ever changing. Yeah, and it totally can. And I, I hope we, like I said, I can't wait to see how this all goes down pop culturally in society, mm-hmm. like in twenty years. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't know. I think especially it's, with like a new generation being raised, yep. like already as teenagers, being like, this is how I identify. Yeah, and it sucks because parents are getting a lot of slack for listening to their kids and just being mm-hmm. good parents who have open communication with them and can who are spending the intimate time with their children, who are seeing, you know, what affects them day by day. And it's interesting to me that parents are getting a lot of slack, you know, they don't know any better. They're too young. And it's like, but if you have a kid who, you know, from two, three years old where they could start playing dress up or playing with toys 
And they've done that for the last five, six, seven years consecutively. I mean, come on. I think you can, mm-hmm. you know, and if they're, you know, you can have that honest communication. So that's why I can't wait to see. Cause well, also like the argument is not valid because that like takes away kids autonomy. That's like saying like they don't have the right to speak up for themselves because they're a certain age and they yeah. don't understand who they are because they're a certain age. Yeah, and I, I feel, feel like that's just going to like continue a cycle of abuse for everybody. And I think like, that if that's the case, then like, how will kids know if like someone's mistreating them? Right. Like, and I think they can't, like, they don't feel uncomfortable by that. They do. Rooted in bad parenting of just what well, I know all, you don't know anything. And because you're yes. a child, I'm going to tell you what you need to do down to the haircut, the hair color, your clothes, you know, and that's, and like, and sorry for any parents out there who do think that like you only know all and you're in charge because <laughs> you also probably think that because you were also probably parent that way. Exactly. Um, and indirectly or directly, you're just doing the exact same thing that you were taught. That was also a big part of the election. If we went one way yeah. or another, that was going to just push us back like the 40, 50, 60 years of civil rights that people have literally been beaten and killed for to just get to where we are today. So yeah. any, all right. So let's move on to the aesthetic. So what are some things that you've seen white cis or white cis het people praised for? And then how do you notice that being different for LGBTQ plus folks and then, you know, people of color as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, in pop culture, media specifically, I've just realized, and not even that too, but just um, in regular day-to-day life, mm-hmm. if a Black man had nails <laughs> painted, it would probably cause some issues and make some people uncomfortable. But yeah, I went through the airport and a TSA agent had on black nail polish. And I'm like, but why is it that like, you can be this manly white cis guy who just like, I don't know, you're emotional or goth or whatever, you know, reason you have. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And then, you know, I always just think about outfits or colors or just styles and how yeah. it's like Jason Momoa always wears pink because he's like, I don't think pink should affect my masculinity. My thing is like Jason Momoa gets praised for it. Right. And like, this is well, a- Well, he gets a, praised for it because he's like attractive. Right, but he's an attractive man that mm-hmm. women spoon over and they're like, oh, exactly. man, he's pink. But if the homie who's been hollering at you for the last six months always wants to wear pink, I'm pretty sure you got an opinion on it and you don't like it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why do we give leveling credit to these unattainable people- or just the fact that you are like this white cis man who is about okay. music or a fashion. Golf is still a fashion choice you're making. Mm-hmm. So why is it okay for that? But it's not okay for someone who's black or brown to do the exact same thing. Right. Um, a big part of black American culture to this day is just that black men shouldn't be gay. Black mm-hmm. men should not be trans. It's this huge, huge issue in our culture. I mean, men have died over the fact that they were black and gay. I mean, dads have beaten them, church pastors have tried to manipulate them, family members, like isolation, all these things. And I mean, it's really incredible to me because I know homosexuality isn't accepted everywhere, but when you do think about white people, they're allowed to be way more open and then use the same dialogue and rhetoric and, you know, all these things, mannerisms and styles. And it's like applauded will and grace Mm -hmm. and have a gay best friend but it's like okay but if this was a black show and this was the same thing would it make you uncomfortable well i've i've seen that in like if you look at will and grace and then you look at things like pose people are like pose is so serious and so like you know heavy and it's like yeah because that show is about black trans people like their lives are heavy their lives are serious Like, it's a serious issue. They can't just, like, live this free, I'm going to be, like, in New York City, San Francisco, like, living my best life. Like, they are worried about their lives every day. They can't work normal jobs because people see them as abnormal. Right. I mean, like, Sex and the City. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. two gay best friends of two different characters, and the whole start of, what, the second movie, I think, is them having this fabulous gay wedding with what's her name? Uh, Liza Minnelli, who likes oh, yeah. ladies for them. And is like, mm-hmm. they're, you know, and it's just like this. And they were praised for that. They were like, look, like they were, they were like one of the first, that was, I think one of the first shows that you ever saw a gay wedding, right? No. Yeah. It was a big deal. I'm pretty sure it was like a huge staple in film of like, no, you're showcasing a wildly gay wedding, mm-hmm. a multi-million dollar franchise. 
But yeah. still, you know, but if it was black, would it have gotten the same reception? I do not know. Um, I mean, would have, wouldn't have even been on air if there was black women. Right. And I mean, you know, then we think about how it was such this big groundbreaking deal with like MTV and the real world and the men who had HIV or AIDS on there who were mm-hmm. these like advocates and really kind of started to get that ball rolling, I think, for, you know, uh, conversation in like the 90s, 2000s when those shows were first coming out. But it was black and brown men doing it, you know, it wasn't white men doing it. But then I don't know. So that's that, those are the kind of aesthetic things that I've seen. Right. Just that are at the top of my head right now that at the end of the day, it's still so much harder if you're black or brown. I mean, Hispanic families, Mexican families, it's still a huge issue culturally. Like I do know, um, you know, I actually, I think I grew up with this Puerto Rican family that their most of their family was in New York and one of their kids was a gay guy and he was so loved and it was never an issue. And so for me, I was very naive thinking like, oh, like everyone loves their gay kids. Like, Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. me, I never knew of the people that I knew who were gay or who were out having an issue with it. No, sweetie, that was, that was the exception. That was not, you know, and then I like, we got to college and stuff and I started like meeting people and hearing stories. And I was like, oh, snap, like you're really going through it. And like, Mm -hmm. you've been going through it and your family still doesn't accept this. And like, this is eating away at you every single day. So those are my aesthetic things that I've definitely noticed, at least I would say within at least the last decade of me, like opening my eyes and realizing, okay, I should probably be more cautious about how I handle things and talk to people because I don't know how many offensive things I did say growing up to someone who wasn't out or whatever, whatever. But yeah, Yeah. what about you? Well, and I, I, to your point, like, I do think that everyone has their own internalized bias. And I think a lot of us, I mean, even people within the LGBTQ plus community have internalized homophobia because it's like so prevalent in society. It's just such a huge part of like how people are raised, you know, and taught and things like that. Um, Yeah, I noticed this a lot in, so speaking from like Dominican culture specifically, or like Mm -hmm. Caribbean culture in general, um, people praise Bad Bunny for his aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And there is a Dominican... What was his name? And why do I always... I saw some Twitter threads about Bad Bunny where people were just going in and I was like, oh no. Because it's so crazy. It's so true. Like these people get idolized for this thing and other people are just getting murdered for it. But then we're like, no, it's great. No, there was like, there there was a guy who who used to, he's he's like an older Dominican singer. Who was doing the He was like completely being lost on me and he's he's had the aesthetic that bad bunny very clearly stole from him like forever but he's afro-dominican oh and so people would like look at him a certain way and be like you know like why does he do things like that um and it was very much like not praised and not a mainstream thing like he was definitely carrying a lot of the burden of like breaking those barriers and the dominican republic is not an easy place to be queer um, I mean, they have mass femicides in the Caribbean islands. Like, I can't even tell you how many they've had this year. It's just like so rampant. And if you even present as being a feminine man, like you're done. Like they, like they'll literally kill you. And so it's just like upsetting that these people, and this guy was huge. So he was still successful and people know his name, mm-hmm. but he was probably the only person that actually like got kind of recognition for doing that and I'm sure there's plenty of Afro-Dominicans and like Afro-Caribbeans who had similar aesthetics and like no one praised them for that and they didn't go mainstream and Bad Bunny who's over here always pretending like he's some like tres raices bullshit of like oh I'm black and indigenous and Spanish even though he's like a fully white man gets to do whatever he wants and people are like look at him with like his music videos where he dresses as a woman and like and it's just like people were like praising him for this because like he is a white man and so he's able to just like get away with doing these things because everyone's like oh how innovative like all this stuff and so you just see it a lot even just like in drag in general like RuPaul really broke a lot of barriers being the first black person to run this huge like drag empire but drag comes from ballroom which is like something that people don't even know about because Mm -hmm. queer people of color invented it and then like white people obviously per usual like stole it and made drag 
rock, jazz, hip hop, you know, whatever. Yeah, like all of our forms of music. And then even just like within the racial justice movements that we're seeing, I mean, all of the people that have been leading the movements since mm-hmm. like the US was even founded, the the people that have been leading movements have always been black, radical, queer people. Like it's always been black trans people, black women, black femmes, like on the front lines of every movement. And now we're just like, oh, let's be moderate and then just include everybody. And so these people all get erased. And so it just seems like the movement is so co-opted by like cis people that even when you're talking about LGBTQ plus rights, it's always like white cis people at the forefront because we somehow can't accept people who are queer and people of color. Mm -hmm. It's really annoying, even just like in my own personal experience with my friends. So I talk about my best friend from San Diego who's gay and he's Mm -hmm. a white man. And then I have another really close friend who I consider like a brother who happens to be gay as well. And he's black. And I see, I see with my own eyes and like experience it in person, the way that they get treated so differently. Mm -hmm. My white friend, if I used to, I used to like bring him to San Jose they always, like, gave him, like, this credit of, like, he must be, like, a good person, like, kind, like, oh, he's white, so therefore he can get away with these things. Mm-hmm. But for, like, my friend who's Black, like, he has to be really careful about it. It took him a really long time to even, like, come out to one of his parents. And my white friend, like, he came out when he was, like, in high school. Everyone was, like, okay with it. Not to say that he doesn't get discriminated against, but like he, his life isn't like hindered. He's not hindered from doing things because he's a gay white man. Right. He's still a white cis man first before he's ever gay. And so I, I've seen it with like with my own eyes, the, the difference in the way I'm treated and they're treated like when I hang out with each individual person. It's right, a very right. interesting contrast of like what certain people can get away with. You know, the interesting society we live in, I don't ever know white privilege, like, won't be a thing. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) next week, no, I'm kidding, but it'll take a while. Um, But yeah, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but it's like, even, even amongst LGBTQ people, it's like, you can't, people always have to say, like, in, in the movement and in fights for like human rights, they have to be like, I'm black first, I'm Latino first, yeah. I'm Afro-Latino first, because we can only have, like, we can only fight one thing at a time. Like we have to separate everything. And like white gay people can be like, oh, I'm oppressed because I'm gay. And I'm like, that's not actually really stopping you from anything because you're still a white person. Your privilege is still prevalent and you're still- <laughs> You're still, you're still considered the default even amongst gay people. It, actually, me and my boyfriend, without saying too much, we were just talking about someone where we were just like, you know, they, they're able to be the person they are. Yes. And they're able to um, act how they want and say what they want and kind of do whatever they want because they're a white mm-hmm. woman. And it was this kind of moment for me of being like, I can't ever act like you because I don't look like you. I can't get away with the fact that when some shit hits the fan and it's me or you, I'm going to be the one that's going to fall on regardless, no matter what happens or what you say or how much you plead. Baby girl, it just doesn't work out that way in society. But yeah. that was a big eye-opening moment for me recently. Where I was just, it was very interesting to me how we move and shape in regards to the aesthetic of things. It's very interesting how we pick and choose who's allowed to do what, who isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I just can't. Like Brokeback Mountain. Yes. Critically acclaimed. You know, one of Heath Ledger's, like, final moments in his repertoire. And it's so critically acclaimed. Brokeback Mountain, what if it were two black men? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Okay, but also the fact that (laughs) even though they made a movie about two gay men, neither of the actors were gay men. Ain't nobody in that movie actually gay. The fuck? Scarlett Johansson to play an Asian character. Like, go get you someone who's actually Japanese, okay? I know. Halle Berry got a lot of shit recently for saying she was going to play a trans. Oh, yeah. Man. I don't remember what role she was going to take and on which side she was going to be on, 
but she almost accepted a role as a trans character oh, yeah. in a movie, you, uh, and everyone was like, you are not a trans person. Like <laughs> You we, cannot take this role. There are people who can act who are actually what the role calls for. Just because, like, I don't know why Hollywood thinks that being an actor means that, like, that just means all aspects of acting, down to the race and mm-hmm. the gender and the sexual preference. I'm just like, you can yeah. put gay people in a show that would be just fine. But anywho. Um, I was watching, I really love this show, La Casa de las Flores, and it's a Mexican show, but they they really fucked up in that area because the whole show is about, like, a lot of it has to do with drag. So, like, they do have drag performers in the show. Okay. But then, like, the only trans character is played by a man who mm-hmm. in the show dresses as a woman. Mm-hmm. But he's a cis man in real life who's from Spain. Who right. plays a character from Spain. I was like, y'all got me so all the way fucked up. Because yeah. I looked it up after because I was like, oh, like, I wonder, you know, like, who this actor is. Like, that would be really cool if this was, like an actual Spanish trans actor because I've never seen that before. But no, it wasn't. Disappointed as usual. Yeah. (laughs) Just little venting minis from Maya and Caitlin on what we hate to see in regards to... Just the co-opting of culture. Yeah, I mean... All the time. What's she gonna do? Okay. All right. The last topic is what has been your personal experience with sexual identity and exploring the binary? Yeah. So first and foremost, like how we identify, identify as a cis woman. Okay. We didn't do this at the beginning because we weren't talking about our own personal experiences. That's why I waited till now. Yeah. Um, I would, I believe I'm the same cis woman, right? I think that's how I should identify as myself. Hi, that's what I'm saying. Like, I really don't. I just really learned what cis meant. I don't know. Earlier this week when we were talking about everything. Because I always see it on Twitter. And I just assume it just means straight person. And I just never really. That's het. That's heterosexual. Got it. So, like, yeah. I just, you know, exactly. So, I don't actually. I'm going to look up the definition so that I don't say this wrong. But I believe cisgender just means that you identify with the gender you were given at birth. Right. Please hold it. Oh, R.I.P. Alex Trebek. Yes, so it says, cisgender denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds with their birth sex. There we go. So yes, we are cis women. And I'm um, a heterosexual woman. Twitter is the funniest thing on the planet. How it never leaves and never changes. And I was I was reading a thread where someone was like, all oh, these poor cis straight women who are like, ooh, she's so attractive. And they just like really want to believe that they're still cis straight women. It basically is essentially saying straight women who are attracted or turned on by other women need to stop lying with themselves and just claiming that they're straight women. And I was like, no, I can appreciate that women are beautiful. And I can appreciate that some women I'm really like, nah, this woman is sexy. Mm -hmm. And like, if she did come on to me, I I might have to like, look at my man and be like, listen, she's on the the list and I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like, I, my, the joke in my household is, like, if you ever have an opportunity to have um, an intimate meeting with Rihanna or Kaylani and you don't call me, that will be why we break up. It's not the fact that you indulged. It's the fact that you didn't include me so I could also get in on that experience. Because right. those are the only two women that I would ever be like, oh, you think I'm attractive? Oh, you're trying to get down? Old shit. girl. But I'm still straight, and I I still love men, and I think they're so attractive. I mean, Michael B. Jordan is my dream ultimate celebrity crush. Maya is not here for it. You know what? I already attacked you on Instagram yesterday, so I'm not going to do it here on this podcast. I know, I know. We won't get into details, but Maya and I do not agree about Michael B. Jordan. But this we man, just disagree. It's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to agree on everything. But for me, good lord, have mercy. And just for the lot of other men, like I have really negative statements about Channing Tatum because I'm like, you know. His family could have owned my family, but he could still be my baby daddy. Like, I used to say that growing up, thinking it was funny, because, like, it was, but it's really not. So, I mean, anyway, I'm getting way off topic here. 
But yeah, um, personal experience with sexuality, I've always dated men. I have like kissed one, I think, girlfriend in my life and it was a dare and that's about it. I don't think I've ever had a moment where like, I, th- I think I, I did when I was younger, I think there was like a moment where, I don't know, I probably did some stupid touchy-feely stuff with a girlfriend just to like mm-hmm. see what was up and then that never happened again. And that was about it. Right. But I I, feel like that's also a very, like, normal child experience. I think it is. I think a lot of girlfriends or just friends in general just like to touch each other to be like, oh, that's what a boo feels like. Ha ha ha. I don't know. Because, like, when it's not yours. You know, you're also just trying to, like, you're an only child, too. So, like, I can understand why you would be like, are are my parts correct? Like, you want to make sure that, like, your body's normal? Especially when you live in a house with three girls. Like, I can only imagine just, like, you know. Like, if I was a twin, I'd be like, ah, I want to see if we're really identical. Like, let's fucking go. <laughs> that's just me. I'm weird. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, like, my, my sisters, like, slap each other's tits and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, but even for, like, things. my best girlfriends, like, we're naked in front of oh, each yeah. other all the time. I, at this point, yeah, I feel like it's a very normal thing. thing. Yeah, I mean, um, also different about that. I don't know. And Maybe I also different. see, like, on Twitter all the time people saying, like, how it is societally, like, it is easier for women to, like, be fluid. And explore that a little bit more. Um, and I'm not sure why that is because for the most part, like women don't because women really are still have more privilege than men. <laughs> no, no, no. Women are still sexualized no matter what. Because no matter what True. in society, lesbians are okay. Oh, right. So that's why. So the real reason why off. it's accepted is because of our sexualization. Yes. That's by men. Because heterosexual men are okay with seeing two women engage in sex or making out because it turns them on. Right. Whereas they get disgusted and turned on or turned off by two men doing it. it no, the only right. thing is that there's tits and, you know, women ass involved and not. Yeah. So yeah, that's what it is. We continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but regarding like the celebrity, whatever. Okay. So me and my, one of my closest friends from high school, like we always to this day joke, we're like, everyone's a little gay. Like we've just been convinced our whole lives that like everyone's just a little bit bisexual because like, when there's attractive people, regardless of gender, you can appreciate that they're attractive, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. PSA, hello. For <laughs> yeah. men, it's not okay to For be men like as oh, well. Yes, he looks attractive in that tuxedo. Damn, hell yeah, he does. Like, if y'all think James Bond is so cool, it's because he looks good in the damn tuxedo, killing people. Right. Why can't you say the same thing about somebody else? Just think yeah. it on it. Think so yeah, it. so it's definitely like a. I think, like, in society in general, it's definitely, like, a because we have gender norms, it's okay for women to do certain things, and it's not okay for men to do certain things. And I think that's harmful, harmful for both of us. Mm-hmm. I think that it prevents men from growing and exploring and, like, embracing their full identity just as much as it harms women because, like, we are more marginalized because we're women. Breach. Um... But yeah, my personal experience has been, like, very interesting. I feel like when I've, – I've never dated anybody, but I've only ever, like, had experiences with men. Right. But as I've gotten older, like, a, a, fl- a switch flipped for me when my younger sister came out as bisexual mm-hmm. um, because that's when I started to realize that we have a lot of internalized homophobia within my house. And yeah. that – my own household like doesn't believe bisexual people can exist because they're like you either like one thing or you like the other Mm -hmm. and I always feel like I have to defend my sister and say like that's not how sexuality works right it's not one or the other and there's also not two genders so if you believe that then you're automatically erasing all the other ways people identify Mm mm-hmm And on top of that, you're telling one of our own family members who we love and care about and want to be happy Mm -hmm. that their way of wanting to be happy is not correct because it doesn't fit in with your limited worldview. Right. Um, So, but then like on the flip side, because I've never dated anyone or like brought anyone home, I feel like I get really defensive when people automatically assume that means I'm gay. When people are automatically like, oh, you've never brought anyone home. So like, are you into girls? And so I felt like for the longest time, literally until like a few months ago, I was like, I feel like I can't explore my sexual identity 
because my family would be judgmental and would be like, you don't know what you want. You're just like experimenting. You'll get over it, all this stuff. And that I can't be fluid in my thinking because then it seems like, I don't know what I want. Do what you want and do what you got to do. Right. But, what, but I had to like and, unpack that. But, but we all do that. I think with so many other different things. I mean, I think we are who we are and I think we're all just very steadfast in who we are. And so mm-hmm. I think we all get a little offended when someone wants to assume what we're something right. that's not based on nothing, you know, cause yeah. literally, you didn't, you're not bringing anyone home. Okay. But I'm not bringing someone home. So like what, you're basing this off of the fact that because no one's walked through this threshold with me as someone that I'm interested in, that that just must mean that like, that's nothing. You're literally basing that off of no action. Right. No action can't be reason for your stupid logic anyway. But that's interesting because I think a lot of people have to unpack like you. I think a lot of people are unpacking. I think a lot, I think especially with this pandemic, a lot of people have had to sit with themselves for the oh, last yeah. months. I think a lot of people are uh, watching things on TV that they probably wouldn't have normally if they would have still had roommates or maybe weren't living alone or like, I don't know. Just mm-hmm. There's so many things I'm seeing on the internet of people being like, well, I kind of sat with myself and realized like, <laughs> I kind of changed my preferences on Tinder because I was kind of open to being like, yo, what up? Um, or oh, people- I've always had all of my settings on dating apps to everyone. <laughs> You're like, what's up? Just Come in case. Down the runway. You want I just it? don't know. I feel like I'm very, I feel like I'm very much in a confused questioning phase right now in general. Okay. Because I've always been around women who were heterosexual. Yeah. That's also All a big of, Even though, even though I have a lot of friends who are queer, I mm-hmm. don't know a lot of lesbian women. Yeah. And like I said, for me, all the lesbian women that I know waited until after high school to even be out. Um, So it's like, it's not as, it's not like normalized in my head to see that. And so I think that that's what I struggle with is like normalizing it because I I don't know about it. There are times where because of like porn and just how men sexualize women that like watching women make out on TV has definitely Mm -hmm. made me feel uncomfortable sometimes because I'm just like, I'm not about this life it's okay that you're about this life. I don't care that you're about this life, but I don't think I want to see this because, but it's just like in the porn realm. Well, it's that's, like, oh, yeah, okay. just because like you feel like that, that means that you're sexualizing women and like women never want to sexualize other women without their permission because we know what it feels like. Right, and then I'm like, but if I'm watching porn, you clearly want to be sexualized because if you wouldn't, you wouldn't be doing porn. So like, why is that okay? And this isn't. So yeah, it's all things to right, think about. To ask yourself and explore. There's definitely been moments where I have to have to sit with myself and be like, okay, we need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Why are you being so weird about one thing and not another? Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I do love men. I think they're beautiful specimens, even though they are all stupid at some level and degree. It is a known scientific fact that women are more mature. Um, and more reasoning than men. So fuck what your mama told you or your daddy, I guess, because, you know, the whole like, a woman can't be in the White House because she's just going to like launch the nuclear codes when she gets angry and is on her period. Yeah. Okay. The sitting freaking president was throwing a tantrum because the votes. Also, that means you're assuming that all women get periods. And I'm a cis woman and I don't even get a period. A lot of women don't get a period and don't even have uteruses. So you might want to look up and go back to biology class and realize that there are a large number of women, which is also also like, I know so many women who have gotten, I I know a lot of women that have, that have endometriosis like me, Mm -hmm. literally gotten their like uteruses yeah, hysterectomies are super. Ovaries, they've gotten things taken out. So like yeah. even cis women, you can't assume have periods or have the same things that you identify as being a woman. Mm-hmm. And I know we're not talking about just like feminine and like masculine things right now, but don't tell women to, to calm down. <laughs> don't do it. And also, because we're in California, I don't think this is a nationwide mandate, but I know with California, if you see someone walk into a bathroom with you and you might think "Mm, they might not be what they're proclaiming to be. Just let them do their freaking thing. Go, let them do go in a stall. You ain't got to say nothing. You ain't got to look at nobody all kinds of way, especially in a men's restroom. Like y'all stand there with your dicks out peeing and like, act like it's not a big deal trying to keep your eyes straight. Like, what? Oh my God, what is that? 
What is that? So uh, like, just don't stop. I'm sick and tired of seeing the videos of people getting beaten up for wanting to use whatever bathroom they want when the signs on the bathrooms literally have to be all genders. Right. Like we are no longer allowed to just have male and female restrooms. And if you're in an establishment that does, <laughs> you can report them actually. And they will have to change their signs or be subjected to a fine. So you just for thought. Yes. I'm about because to be reporting longest, bitches left and right. Yes, ma'am. Because for the longest, <laughs> I was like, um, if y'all don't change out of place I worked at, I was like, if y'all don't change your signs and somebody come in here upset, it's just like somebody could come in in a wheelchair and be like, oh, this is not accessible. ADA, what's up? And then boom, you're hit with a citation. So yeah, just keep that in mind because I'm just sick and tired of seeing the social media viral videos of people who choose to be trans or who are too gay for you getting beat up because you're uncomfortable because you haven't sat yes. down with yourself and asked yourself, why the fuck are you uncomfortable? I'm just over it. Just be nice to everybody. Like, mind your business. Right. Like, it's yeah, it doesn't affect you for people to identify in a way that you don't. It does not affect you. Like, it has no impact on your life to, like, allow people to live with their truth and with how they identify. Like, it doesn't do anything to you. And, and, I, and I think that is a very good point. And I want to harp on that. This We're going to compare these things, okay? People are so freaking um, obnoxiously loudspoken over this whole Biden versus Trump thing because you're fucking with my livelihood. Keeping Trump in office as president is fucking with black and brown and gay people's livelihoods. You're literally messing with my life. I don't feel safe in these streets. But you just being uncomfortable about something that literally has no direct change on your life. I'm sorry, boo-boo, I can't get behind that. And you are a clown. Keep it as simple as that. Uh, well, that's great. But yeah, explore your sexuality, though. We're here, too, to tell you it is okay to explore. It it's is okay, okay to change to your mind. Change your mind to talk about it, to ask questions, to do research. Do not ever feel, you know, and I know we all get you know we all are raised differently we all come from different homes and backgrounds some mm -hmm. places aren't safe as others you know you ever need us we're here you know how to reach us on instagram but it's important that we all talk about it so that it's comfortable for people who can't talk about it to find exactly and that's what we're trying to do this here. is how we are using our um cis privilege yes as cis women to yes. speak on a topic that some people still have to hide also, for anyone who wants to, like, doubt that notion from people who were the first to even occupy the space that you call home, like, if that's not enough for you, literally so many photographers have been coming together, putting out books on homosexuality, like, in the military or just in, like, the Great Depression era or mm -hmm. even in, like, the early 1800s and, like, right. colonial times. Like, this like, isn't a new thing. <laughs> not a new thing. People have been professing their love for same-sex people for literal hundreds and hundreds of years. So please just check your ignorance out the door and be open to learning about things. If you are someone like that who is uncomfortable, you know, thanks for hanging on tight through this episode, but we're also here to tell you, like, research is your friend. And if you have friends who are gay, just have a conversation with them. They'll probably be really excited and proud that, like, you even could come to them and just be like, hey, can we just have a conversation real quick? And if I offend you, let me know. But, like, I would like some education. Right. And for people of color, like, we have definitely in our communities much more stigma because we're not allowed to explore. We're not given the space to have, like, full complex identities in the same way that white people are. Yeah. Until so, so you go home. <laughs> like, yeah. Until you, you literally leave or, like, <laughs> communicate, stop communicating with your family and, like, unlearn all of these things. And so, like, I definitely encourage people of color to kind of, like, challenge your own thinking and think about how like you've been treated just based on the fact that you're not white and how like you can apply that same thing that you want the same way that you want like white people to be your allies like you also need to do that for people who aren't like you as well because you do have a certain privilege being cis and heterosexual hell yeah boom baby yeah thanks All for right. joining us today um if you like this episode if you want to learn more if you learned something from this episode and you liked what we discussed or you have questions check out our instagram turn on notifications for when episodes come out and for when posts are posted yes thank you guys so much for rocking with us we're so excited to be back here doing this with you guys and having you guys listen 
and we got some more great topics coming your way, some fun, some serious, as always. So stick it out. Bye. Bye.